Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world, and he serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Hearing God's voice it's based on a book that I wrote about five years ago, but this, this book I wrote really over the period of about 12 to 15 years. It wasn't just that I wrote it five years ago. I released it five years ago. And for the last five years since this came out, um, I think we have, it's going into our fourth language. I just, we just finished our Korean translation, so that's really exciting. And now we have to figure out how to uh, format that because I, I don't read or write in that language. And so anyways, we're going to figure that out, but we do have the translation done in Korean and we have it in Turkish right now. It's in Spanish and of course in English. I kind of wrote the book thinking a couple thousand copies and it just went nutso. And I thought that's awesome, you know, and I just never intended that. I still don't make any money off of it because I'm too busy giving them all away. Uh, (laughs) And by the way, if you're interested in reading the book, you can always email our church office and we give the ebook away for free. There's a little card at the info center and uh, we're just giving that away. We're not trying to make money or, or, or writing books to be popular. The, the goal is discipleship. That's what it's all about. And some of this is just my heart and what I've learned. But man, you learn a lot about the word and the Lord even after you write a book. You're supposed to be some guru and you realize you know nothing. It's amazing. What do you think about this? I don't know. (laughs) Here. (laughs) I know that guy. So I started this sermon series because I wanted to share some of the new things that I had been learning, uh, as well as all that I had been been writing, and and it's all from the Word. And I want to continue that series uh, today and for the next several weeks. And my message today is entitled, Hearing God is for Everyone. Hearing God is for everyone. And so let's pray as we open God's word together today. Father, we thank you for your word. And we just confess that your word is powerful and does change our life. And so Lord, as we approach you today, we ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would open your word to us and cause us to have transformational power resident in the areas in which you're working in our hearts and lives today. We ask, Lord, and give you permission to speak to anything that you want to speak to in our lives. Use this teaching, use this next 45 minutes for your holy purposes in each one of our lives. We trust you. We're expectant for what you're going to do. And we give this time to you in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. If you remember what I talked about, the message was entitled, A Real Relationship. And what I was really just sharing was that God is our heavenly father. Jesus came and gave his life to not only forgive our sins, but reconnect us to the relationship for which God created us for, which, the, which is that God is our father and we are sons and daughters. And it's in that context that you and I will and can hear the voice of God. And so I just wanted to share my heart on the context for which we hear. We'll always be relationship. And it's so vital that we catch that because it's not just like some kind of formula and we're not just robots and automatons. God wants to have a living, vibrant relationship with you and I. This is what it's all about. And that's the context for which we see Jesus coming. Jesus desires for us to be with him. Jesus desires for us to hear his voice. In fact, that's what he said in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I mean, just park right there and say amen. Amen. This is his desire for us. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, that's relationship, and they follow me. There's that sort of three-pronged truth that Jesus drops in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear, they know me, I know them, and they follow me. Today, what I want to do with the title and hearing God is for everyone is I just, if you're not convinced that God speaks to you, I want to convince you utterly and completely today. And I want to do that by going through scripture, not just giving you my subjective experience or trying to convince you from my cool stories. I just want to go through scripture 
and simply prove that it is a biblical norm for God to speak to people. If you read the scripture, you will find it is a library of books that show us and share with us God having relationship with human beings, him communicating to them in time and history, and I want to tell you, nothing has changed. And I think it's so important that we, under, that we understand this. Now, just as an illustration, I don't, I don't know if you can remember this. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can. But the progression for me was that when I was growing up, we had these things called pagers. Does anybody remember pagers? I had all kinds of pagers, different colors, highlighted colors, skeleton pagers. You could see all the guts on the inside. I really thought I was cool when I was growing up because I had pagers. I always like to say I'm old enough I'm not old. I'm old enough to remember when we got a color television. I'm old enough to remember when Atari came out. So I got, I got a little bit under my belt. I know some of you are like, no, you're not that old. But I, 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 got, I, got, I remember some stuff. I remember when computers were this big. I remember getting an email address thinking that was awesome. So I, I, I'm old enough to remember this stuff. Now my kids, they have no clue what many of us have gone through. And those of you that are much older than me, I, I feel you. I don't understand. I know. I know. My dad's like, Snickers was like five cents. I'm like, stop. Just stop. I don't understand, okay? I don't get it. Not anymore. It's like $5, you know, at the movie theater. But I remember when cell phones came out, they were like a brick, you know? I was like, hold on just a second. <laughs> and... But we got cell phones, and then I got my first, what might have been called a smartphone. It wasn't really like a smartphone, but you could do text messaging. We didn't call it text messaging then. But you might remember, like, you, you know, when those started to happen, we didn't, you had this little, uh, you had the ability to turn off text messages. And I was super stubborn. And there are people that know me, and they remember this. I would not receive text messages. I was super stubborn. I don't know why I was this way, but I was like, if you want to get a hold of me, you can call me. I had that mentality. So I turned off, there was a little button you could turn off text messages, or you could actually call the phone company and say, I don't want to receive text messages. And phones had the capability of receiving messages, but you also had the choice whether or not you actually wanted to receive them. And I thought it was kind of funny, but it took me a long, long time for me to just accept the fact that you know, text messages were the way of the future. And I just thought this was a good illustration to share with us is that we're very much like that when it comes to our relationship with God. We all have the capacity or the ability to hear from God, to receive messages from him, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we are hearing him. Just because we can doesn't mean that we are. And there are many of us who are seeking to hear the voice of God, but we're not discerning when or how it is that he's communicating to us. And that's really what I want to help us to discover because everyone can hear the voice of God. The fact is, is that God is communicating with us all of the time. And we want to embrace this as a truth. Why? Pastor Ben, why would I embrace what you're saying as true? Because when you believe that God is speaking to you, you expect it and you pursue it. When you and I believe that God is communicating to us right now, not just that he wants to, but that he in fact is speaking to us Right now, we expect for him to speak and we pursue. When we're in prayer, we're not just speaking to God, but we're also listening to God. It changes the way that we pray. We're slower in our approach. And we might even ask the Lord before we say anything, is there anything on your heart for me? Is there anything that you want me to pray today? Is there anything that I'm missing is there anything I'm insensitive to? Is there something going on that I'm callous to? Can you help me open my ears to hear you that I might pray what it is that you're calling me to pray? God wants to expand our understanding even in this area of prayer where hearing God becomes a normal experience. And just because it may not be our experience does not mean that it shouldn't be or won't be. You know, just because we don't know something or it hasn't happened to us does not mean that we should or can build our theology on our lack of experience. Sometimes I've, as a Pentecostal or a charismatic Christian, I've been, you know, accused of building my theology on experience, for which I will tell people, I think that you might be building your theology on a lack of experience. I 
y'all think we're together or not? <laughs> All right. Why is it that some of us, and let's just talk about Christians for a moment. I'm, I mean, obviously, if people are, don't follow Jesus, they're going to think the idea of hearing from God is insanity. I mean, that, actually. So let's just talk about Christians. There are a lot of Christians that differ on this topic. Why do some people not believe that God communicates with his people today? There are two primary reasons. There are others, but two primary ones. Number one is what I would call erroneous theology. And number two would be bad examples. And the first one being erroneous theology. Now, we all know that we're brothers and sisters with many different types of Christians, people that label themselves, I use the term Pentecostal charismatic, not as a badge of pride, but simply as a distinction. We are Orthodox Christians. We believe in the tenets of the faith that have been passed down to us for years and years and years. But there is a distinctive, when I say Pentecostal charismatic, what I mean is I believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. We should expect them and walk in them. And I believe God still does the miraculous. I still believe signs, wonders, and miracles are not just for cool meetings and for glory bumps and goosebumps, but I actually believe that God does these things to reveal himself to a world that is yet to still, still know him and name the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I still believe all of this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think we need to rightly understand what that does and does not mean. But I use it as a distinction, not as a badge of pride, like we're, I'm Pentecostal. I'm better than others. No, I mean, I love my Baptist friends, you know, Episcopalian. I mean, I have a lot of what I would consider Orthodox Christian friends. We're in unity with that. I want to say that. That's very important. I've got friends all over the spectrum. I disagree with many of them on issues, but it doesn't change the fact that we're unified in who God is, what the scriptures are, and what our mission is as followers of Jesus, which is to reach the whole world with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need everybody. We need every flavor to do that. But I'm not going to compromise the, my distinction. I want to be very, very clear about that. That's the reason that I dropped those little lines here and there, in case you're wondering. There, we all good? All right, cool. Let's acknowledge, though, that there are many followers of Jesus that disagree on what I am talking about. And I want to say, I call that erroneous theology because I consider it error. I think that's important for us to make that clear. There are some who are what's called cessationists. Cessationists are people that no longer believe that the gifts of the Spirit are available today. If they do believe God does miracles and healings, it would be at his sovereign hand. And it would have not much to do or anything to do with our faith and contending for and praying for. And there's uh, even some disagreements in the cessationist camp on which aspects that they agree to or don't agree to. But they also would say that God only speaks in his word. So if you want to hear God, you just have to open the Bible and you can hear God. And here's my dispute with that. While you and I believe that the word of God is the eternal voice of God for all people, for all time, for every generation, it is unchanging. It is his truth. It is the foundation and the cornerstone of the Christian faith. We believe that, but there's a lot of things in there that God wants to specifically guide us into by the voice of the Holy Spirit. So the way I explain this is that the word of God is like a house and everything the Holy Spirit says to us fits inside that house. If it doesn't fit inside that house, it's not from God. So if people say God spoke to me and the word contradicts it, the word is true and that person is wrong. And so the word gives us our standard by which we judge what God is communicating to us individually and specifically. And so we thank God for that. But to suggest that God no longer communicates through the Holy Spirit to people, to me, is odd, and it's not even biblical. And so the same Bible that we say God only speaks through doesn't condone the idea that they're conveying by saying that. And so Jesus has, this has not changed. You know, this is still the same. So I'm not a cessationist. I don't agree with those that are cessationists and people that say God only speaks through the Bible. You know, there's a lot of people that use the Bible to manipulate other people based on what they think. And so let's just be honest for a second. You can say, I just believe in the Bible and you can use that same Bible to do whatever you want to do and say whatever you want to say. And so it's just an amazing thing that we have to be like upfront about. There's a lot of erroneous teaching. I believe that there is accountability for us who say we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us. 
The first accountability is the word. And in other weeks, I'm gonna go through how we discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna talk all through that and talk about the connection and how it is that the word of God and the spirit of God function together. They're not in disagreement, by the way. There's no disagreements in the Trinity and there's no disagreements in what the Holy Spirit says to us and what the word of God shows and shares with us. And so anyways, erroneous teaching is one of the, one of the things that have affected us, causing us to think that it's odd for people to say or wrong for people to say that God speaks or communicates to us. The second though is bad examples. And there are many of us in this room, if not all of us, who have seen crazy folk who all have an opportunity to change Crazy people say crazy things. Maybe I shouldn't say crazy people, but we've seen people say crazy things in the name of the Lord. Like God spoke to me, God told me to tell you and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like everybody in the room knows that that is not healthy and that is not God. Now I know you're wondering about the examples, so I'm just gonna give you a few of them so that we can talk openly. How's that sound? In 2011, you might remember this, but CNN did this special expose on a pastor from World Outreach Center in Florida that started to, he, he took all these Qurans, the Muslim book, and he burned them, and he said God spoke to him and called him to deface Islam by desecrating the Quran in order to wake up America. And so CNN shoved a camera in this guy's face and, and, and filmed him burning Qurans and saying all these things. God told me to deface Islam by desecrating the Quran and calling America to wake up. And this is what CNN decided that this guy with 15 members in his church who calls himself a bishop, I did the research so I can say this definitively. I don't care if it's Fox, CNN, or whatever. I'm not biased at all. I'm just telling you, I actually read this and I watched it. And in 2011, the media decided that this guy had enough influence to cover what it is that he was doing And of course what it would do is cause people to think this guy is crazy. This guy did not hear from God. You don't burn Qurans and say, God told me to wake up America by burning the Muslim book. Why don't we try loving Muslims? Why don't we try praying for people? Why don't we see people in the image of God and realize that the gospel was given so that we could go and give it away because we really believe it? That's fear. That's anger. That's what that is. And we see that stuff and people get this bitter taste in their mouth whenever they see it and they go, that is horrible. And you know what it does? You know, the worst thing about that is it causes good, well-meaning, even biblical Christians to say, yep, see all those people that say God spoke to them, they're crazy too. It breeds a skepticism for the real thing. And that's what makes me most upset about it. And I think that there is actually an agenda in the world to make normative Christianity look nuts when that's not what we see in the word. But some people out there are off their rocker and we should pray for them, but not allow their example to dissuade us from what the Bible teaches. They are not our Bible and they they are not Jesus Christ. So we go, they're wrong, and that person did not hear from God, and we move on, and we thank God for the real and the authentic, which is what the Bible instructs us in. But wait, there's more. In 1987, this is, this is where the Pentecostals need to get hit, okay? In 1987, a televangelist named Oral Roberts said on nationwide television, and if there's any of you that like this guy, before you, you know, get mad at me, which doesn't bother me that much, Oral Roberts said on nationwide television that if his supporters didn't send in $8 million to to raise for this hospital that he wanted to build, that God would take him home. Now, that is a nice way of saying God's going to kill me if you don't send me $8 million. Can we just say that that is not from God? I don't care who you are. Oral Roberts, I don't care what ministry you have. That is called manipulation at its finest. And his supporters gave him $9 million. And that hospital's not in existence today. How do you reconcile that? Let's just call it what it is. He missed it. He might be a born-again, spirit-filled man of God who had great fruit in his ministry at times, but that was not from God. And I think if Pentecostals don't learn to correct their own, we might as well accept all the people that disagree with us becoming our correction because we're unwilling to call a spade a spade. And I think that's ridiculous. 
I think we need to be willing to correct the fake, the phony, the false, and the mistakes. And if we're not willing to do that, God will raise up people in his love to discipline us. And then what Pentecostals do is they get mad at the people who obviously we don't agree with, but then they start to judge us because we won't judge ourselves. And we frivolously say, not you, but you know, in this world that our church happens to be a part of, we frivolously say, God told me, God told me, and we throw God's name out in such a way that we're not even thinking what we mean. I like to say, I have a sense that the Lord said this. I have a sense that this is what the Lord is saying. I'm not gonna definitively drop his name on everything that I'm saying. You guys, do you understand what I mean? Because I really believe that there is this underlying bitterness in Christians that we just drop his name and it's frivolous and people judge us for it. So I just think we need to judge our own. And so I'm just calling, calling out what I, what I believe it is. I, I believe it was, a, it was at least a misunderstanding on his part. It was a deception on his part. It was a, it was a manipulation in my opinion. I think it was wrong. You know, has anybody watched Christian television? Psalm 33, 33. If you just send in $33 and 33 cents right now, a breaker anointing is gonna come over your life. You laugh because it's nonsense. People, I meet people all the time. They're so bitter and it's a big joke is what it is, isn't it? It's a big old joke and I'm not winking at it. I'm gonna correct it. If it happens in our church, I'm gonna correct it because I so want the real thing that I am not going to allow the false, the fake, and the phony to take away what is real and right. And that is exactly what happens all over the world is that we give all of the power. You can clap for that. We can do that if we wanna stop. You got, hey, you got to warn me when we're going to do a clap offering, you know. You got to warn me. Scott's good at that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good at that. We give so much power to people that are not listening or hearing accurately, and it breeds a skepticism. And I'm just saying no more. No more. And I love every one of you, and I love every, everyone in our church, but if I see it or I smell it, we need to deal with it. The reason that we need to deal with it, not in a harsh way, but correction is a beautiful thing so that we can stay on the path of life. Amen. And sometimes I'm in, I'm in churches and I always say when it's another church, I don't, it doesn't bother me because I'm not responsible. You know. But in our church, we're responsible to love one another. And the first thing I do is ask questions. I don't just go after situations. I have to ask questions first to determine if what I'm hearing or seeing is what I think it is. But I think it's so important that we Go after the authentic and the real, and we have to make sure that, that we're doing that. What about the end of the world predictions? You remember those? Yeah. How about the 2008 election? I remember three prophets were like, uh, McCain and Palin are going to win, and all these emails were circulating, and, um, you know, that didn't happen. I didn't see any apologi apolog apologies from those prophets who said that McCain and pa God said McCain and Palin were going to win. You know, they were filtering their Republican Party is what they were doing. Did you know that you can speak from your biasm and call it God and it's not the Lord? And that's why if we're not careful, we will speak out of our patriotism. We will speak out of our doctrine. We will speak out of our family of origin. We will speak out of our opinions and we will call it God. And then when somebody comes along and says, hey, I, I don't, I'm not disrespecting your thoughts and your feelings on that, but what you're saying is that's not the Lord. And, and, and this is a great example because people who had this, uh, they were Republican and they, they have a prophetic gift and they prophesied this stuff and it didn't come to pass and there were no apologies that circulated. And I think that is unacceptable. I think if you're gonna prophesy something, okay, fine, but if it doesn't come to pass, you need to apology, Right? You can make a mistake, that's fine. But if you don't, if you make a mistake, you make an apology at minimum. I think that's great Pentecostal theology. You're welcome, you're welcome. I'm gonna keep going off and I gotta get to the word. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. But I, I think it's high time that the Pentecostal charismatic church correct itself so that we actually can have the true and the authentic and the real. But when there's so much mixture, people don't know what's what. And I guess what ends up happening, we don't receive any of it. So when a prophecy comes, we're like, thank you, that was really great. That's awesome. We just walk away and we forget it. And I'm just, I just think that's unacceptable. You with me on this? All right. <laughs> so if you still have to think about what I said, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. 
I just want to get after the fact that the Bible teaches us that God still speaks today. And I want to do that by just simply doing a bird's eye view of the, of the word of God. And this is first what I want to tell you. In scripture, we see that hearing God's voice through the Old Testament was normative. I shared with you Genesis chapter one. I just want you to, for this purpose, look at Genesis chapter one, verse 28. And this is what it says. God blessed them when he made Adam and Eve. And he said to them, God spoke to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now it's safe to assume in this context that God spoke to Adam and Eve audibly and clearly. We have no reason to believe that it was any different. In fact, we see that there are several other people in the Bible after Adam and Eve that God spoke audibly and clearly to. And I'll just reference Cain, Abel, Noah, and Abraham. But something changes in the forms of communication. We have clear and audible. In Genesis chapter 20, there is a new form of communication that's introduced, the way God communicates, and it's called a dream. We see God now speak to us in dreams. That was not normal until Genesis chapter 20, and then it becomes normal for God to communicate this way. It says that he speaks to the prophets through visions and dreams many, many times. And so we know that after the fall, And I think the connection is really clear. The communication between God and people became less and less or more and more distant and less and less personal. And this is actually what we see until the time of Moses because Moses had a special relationship and should I say a special purpose before God. Look what it says in Numbers chapter 12 verse 6. God said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. This is the form of communication that God gives to prophets, those that hear the Lord. But this is not true of Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With, With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Exodus 33, 11, same thing. I speak to Moses face to face like a man speaks to his friend. This was not normal and God makes a distinction between Moses and everyone else that hears his voice. Prophets, I speak to them in visions and dreams, but Moses, not with Moses. Why? Moses was a type. He was a representation of Jesus Christ who was to come. Why do we know that? Because Deuteronomy chapter 18, there's a messianic prophecy where God sang to and through Moses, I will raise up from among your people one who is like you, one who will be an Israelite, he will be Jewish, and one who will stand before and represent the people. Moses was, in academic terms, he was the founder of Israel's religion. That's not necessarily the best way to say it, but that's more of like an academic term. Jesus came with grace and truth. Moses was a type. Jesus was the fulfillment of what was to come. Jesus obviously not just having a close relationship with God, but he was the son of God. With Moses, God brought the law, the Torah. This was a clear communication from God written on stone. Exodus chapter 20, Moses goes up on the mountain and he receives the instruction from the Lord and he brings it back down. Common, everyday people could not hear from God. The way they heard from God was through a mediator or through the law. This was the means by which people could hear from God. And God established three kinds of mediators. We might say four, but they were prophets, priests, kings, and judges. These were the ones that could hear from God. These four and these four alone. Anybody else, it was random at best. When the anointing fell and people were in the company of the prophets or something like that, it would have been an exception, but there's, there's very few of them. These mediators were people that stood before God and the people were the ones that could hear God and then communicate to the people. And this is so vital for us to understand because there was a change that was coming and we see that first in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to do two things. First, he came to redeem us. He came to be the propitiation for our sins, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. He, was com- he, com- he had come to take away the sins of the world in his sacrifice, his once and for all sacrifice. And so those of us that believe in him and place our faith and trust in him are forgiven of our sin and restored to right relationship. But the second thing that Jesus came to do was to be a model 
or a way of life, a pattern. One of the statements that I have said many times from this stage is Jesus wasn't just the payment for my sins, but the pattern for my life. Jesus represented the way of life for a human being, what it looked like to be rightly related to God. Through him, we have a path and a pattern for relationship. Now Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. We do not need a mediator. As a pastor, I am not your mediator to God. I am an equipper. I'm here to give you the tools. I'm here to encourage. I'm here to inspire. I'm here to lead overall the church, just like a parent in a home. You're not my kids. Many of you are older than me. But that's my role, and God gives me the anointing for that, just like he anoints us all for different things. I'm an equipper, but I am not your mediator. Everybody gets to walk up the mountain for themselves. Everybody gets to hear God for themselves. And my job, therefore, is not to hear God for us. My, God, my job is to tell everyone that we can all hear God ourselves. That we can open up the word and read and understand the Bible for ourselves. That we can all hear the voice of the Holy Spirit ourselves. And we do that together in community. In fact, we do that best in community. Jesus came and he was the only mediator. He is our prophet, priest, and king, and we need no other. Hebrews chapter one, verse one actually goes on to say this. Listen to this very carefully, because here's the shift coming. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, God spoke to the prophets in many ways, visions, dreams, what we just said. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. In these last days, Jesus is now the mediator, and he speaks to us about what the Father is all about, connecting that relationship. And we know this because Jesus declared his intentions. John 10, 27, my sheep, hear my voice. Are you a sheep? Come on now. It's a metaphor for all of us to be his followers. And he's our only mediator. It's such a beautiful relationship. And we look at Jesus as our pattern. In John chapter 5 verse 19, it says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. In John 8, 28, and I think it's 12, 49, Jesus said what the Father taught him. This was the relationship that he had with the Father, and he invites us into a kind of relationship that is close, meaningful, and personal. He made this relationship possible again, therefore communication being possible again. But now we have hearing God through the Holy Spirit, and this is ultimately what what God was going after. He says something very interesting to his disciples in John 16, 7. Now, I don't know how the disciples took this, but Jesus said, it is better that I go so the Holy Spirit come. Now, I just, <laughs> I can't even imagine what they thought when he said that. It is better. I can imagine Peter going, better? What could be better? Jesus, you're right, right now, you're right here. You're right here. I'm making so many mistakes. Stay here. They couldn't imagine anything better. I mean, in fact, Peter tried to rebuke Jesus for Jesus revealing the plan. No, Jesus, that's never going to happen, and I'll follow you wherever you go. It's like, he didn't. <laughs> Jesus came to s- secure permanently what it is that we're talking about, this relationship, and all of its implications. He says it's better so the Holy Spirit could come. And he goes on to say in verse 12 of John 16 to the disciples, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I've got things I want to say, but guys, you can't understand what I'm, tr- what I would try to say. It's kind of like every parent ever said that, you know, <laughs> I've got a lot of things to say to you, but you won't get it. No, I'm just, that's, I'm sorry. I've got many more things to say to you, but you will not be able to bear up under the truth of what I would say. You do not have the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be able to understand and walk out what I want to say to you. And and then he goes on to say, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak to you and he will disclose to you what is to come. 
He will glorify me for he will take from mine and he will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Jesus said, there is more that I wanna say, but you can't hear it yet or receive it. You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come to live inside of us, them first, but then us secondarily as followers and disciples of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will become our guide. He will teach, he will reveal, he will convict, he will show, he will speak to. He will keep you from error. He will be your teacher. The Holy Spirit is our guide. We need a guide and we have one. If we, were going to, if we were to go on a hiking trip and there was no trail, you need a guide. You need to know what berries you can eat, which ones are gonna kill you. Some of you outdoorsy people, you don't, you're like, I don't need a guide. <laughs> Shoot. You need a guide. Amen. Spiritually speaking, we need a guide. And we have one in the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that, that term? He will guide us into all truth. You know, we can't just open the Bible and say, God will always speak to us in the word. We still need the Holy Spirit to illuminate scripture. We still need the author of the word to help us to understand the word. Without him helping us, all we are is people just reading a textbook. And we're going to have lots of different opinions about that, but we need the author to help us understand it, which means the posture that we take is one of humility. Lord, would you help me know your word? Help me understand your word. It's not just the effort of study. That's important, but we also need him to give us revelation. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And my theology is very, very simple. I think he just lives too close to us for us not to hear him. That's what I believe. Later in Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, we see a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit with supernatural supernatural signs, wonders. Many are filled with the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit for salvation and being baptized with the Holy Spirit are two different things. The Holy Spirit does many things. And we see that all throughout the scriptures, especially in the book of Acts. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out, in the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 17 to 18, is a prophecy from the book of Joel that Peter recalls in the explanation of what is happening in their midst. He says, it shall be in the last days, God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. What's he talking about? Now you don't have to be a prophet, priest, and king to hear the voice of God. You just need to be a follower of Jesus. He goes on to say in the final verse of that prophecy, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every person that is a follower of Jesus can hear the voice of God. Jesus said to his disciples, I've got more things to say to you, but right now you can't. But when the spirit of truth comes, you will have the capacity, you'll have the ability to hear me and understand what I'm saying. Now, if this doesn't excite you, it should. What I'm talking about is a shift of history. And we are living in a moment where we have what everyone else in the Old Testament could not have as common people. You could not have what I'm talking about if you were living under the Old Covenant. You couldn't. You had to be a prophet, priest, king, or judge. And even then, you could lose what we're talking about. And we see evidence of that in the Psalms. There's so many historical accounts of hearing the voice of God. And there is an assault on church history to cover up all of the supernatural workings of God in church history. There's an assault. And the more you study church history, the more you realize people like St. Augustine, I don't know if you know his story, but a Christian theologian in the th- was born in the 300, 300 AD, and his ministry went into 400 AD, 431 AD, I think he died. But he's like known for many of his theological works. Did you know that he came to Christ by hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit? In fact, the voice of the Holy Spirit said to him, take up and read. He heard a voice. He was sitting with his friend, St. Augustine. You're not going to hear this usually because it's covered up. He heard a voice say to him, take up and read. And he knew that that was a divine exhortation. And he picks up a Bible 
and read Romans 13, 13. Now go read that on your own and figure out how he came to Christ by reading Romans 13, 13. I have no idea, but he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And there are many, many, many more. Actually, I have a few in here. I hear the voice of God. Many of you, how many of you have a testimony of hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in one way or another? Many of us are confused sometimes about that. I, I, don't, I don't think, I, I'm not trying to put anybody down who wouldn't be able to raise their hand. I'm just saying I meet person after person after person, whether they have confidence to say, to affirm it or not, that are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that in my wife and I and our family coming here, that we had so many confirmations from the Holy Spirit, it got ridiculous. Like to the point where I felt like something might have been wrong with me. Like, Lord, did I really need this many? <laughs> I could go on and on and on. I shared a few of them the day I was installed as pastor. And Pastor Steve Shell, I didn't even... I didn't even share all of them with him, but I shared one of them the day I was installed and I waited to tell him that back in 2003, him and Mary laid hands on me at a conference I wasn't even supposed to be at and I didn't even know their names and never knew who they were. And then full circle, you know, whatever it was, um, 16 years later, here they are laying hands on me again on this stage to appoint me as the pastor of of the church that they had led for 27 and a half years. Now, maybe that doesn't mean as much to anybody else, but to me, I lost it because I never told him that. And he didn't remember until the day I was installed as pastor. And, I, and, I, and as I'm telling them on Saturday night, he's just beaming, you know? I was like, bam, I got you, man. You know, but this is what God does. This is what God does. I could go on and on and on since I've been here. I've seen so many moments of the Holy Spirit speaking and confirming that word. Names that were given, locations, times, sicknesses, ailments, the things that he pinpoints, specific situations. Those things come up, I would say, every, not every day, but weekly. Every single week, I am usually seeing something happen that is an affirmation or a confirmation that the Holy Spirit is leading us. And I, and I want to say something, because every now and again, I have people say, well, Ben, I'm not really hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's a, I want to share with you some message, the hindrances to hearing. But we have to humble ourselves and go, maybe there's a reason. And it's not just that something's wrong with us, but maybe something is in the way. Maybe we have erroneous theology. Maybe we've allowed bad examples to just cut out of our mind that this is even a possibility. And so here the Holy Spirit is communicating with us about things in our heart, things in our home, things in our life. But you know, we just can't get past the fact that some kooky person did and said some dumb stuff and we gave them too much authority. That they, had, they trumped no pun intended, sorry. Every now and then you just say something like that. They trumped the voice of God and the word of God in our life. And I just say no more. No more. Nobody deserves that kind of power in our life. Jesus alone. The word of alone. And the word says to me time and time again, we look in the Old Testament. We look in the life of Jesus. We look in the New Testament. And if I were to go through the book of Acts, it's again and again and again and again. People heard the voice of God. We hear the Lord. The wor we need the word of God. We need the spirit of God. And we need the people of God. One of the reasons why this hasn't been healthy is because so many of us are trying to hear the voice of God alone. There are isolated people who say, I heard God and this is what he said to me, but they're not part of a healthy family. When you're a part of a healthy family, like just naturally speaking, you can actually detect and discern what is unhealthy. You, can, you know what malnourishment looks like. You know sometimes the sign of abuse. Even if you can't label it, you can feel it. You're around it. Because why? Because you're part of something healthy. When you're a part of a healthy family, you can see something that's unhealthy, not for the purpose of labeling it, but hopefully for the purpose of inviting people in to what you have and what's normal and healthy. I think when it comes to stuff like this, it's really not that hard to discern what's unhealthy if we have something that's healthy. And what we want to do is we want to cultivate healthy, biblical, normal Christianity, 
And that might stretch us because it's not always natural. A lot of times it's supernatural. It will stretch us. But the word of God has to have the voice to what it is that we believe. It has to have precedence over everything else. And God calls us to take steps out into that. And nothing else can have its place. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to pray for anybody that has had bad examples. And maybe you feel like, Pastor Ben, that has had too much authority in my life. It's caused me to close my ears to the real thing. We want the real thing. We want the authentic. We reject the phony by discerning it, but pursue the real. We have to pursue the real. If you're here and you have maybe allowed those bad examples to have too much authority, I just want to pray if, if maybe we just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. I don't usually do that, but if we could do that just for a moment, I just want you to acknowledge to me and I want to pray over you if you could just raise your hand and say, Ben, I, I've allowed some bad examples to affect me. Just go ahead and I just want to see you. And they've affected my, me pursuing the real thing. Just for a moment, just, I'm just going to have this for 10 seconds. Keep your hand up for 10 seconds. I want to see you. I see all over the room. I see there's been bad examples. And what I want to do is just honor you, first of all, for you acknowledging that. And I just want to pray that what God will do in our community, and we need you, what God will do is give us new discernment He'll, he'll give us a new way together where the healthy, the biblical, and the normal, and the fruitful will become part of everything that we do, but we need you and we do this together. So I just wanna pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for everyone in the room acknowledging that there are some bad examples that have affected us. And I just pray, God, that, that you would give them that fresh and new discernment, but also a passion for the authentic, we need the authentic ministry of the Holy Spirit. We do not want phony and fake and weird and strange, but Lord, far be it from us to reject the real and the true and the authentic. We need your ministry. And I pray for my friends who've acknowledged that. And I just pray that you would freshly fill them with the Holy Spirit today and you would give them a mind to receive and a heart to receive what you're saying in a whole new level. And I'm not saying you haven't had that or you're not having that. I'm just asking the Lord to give you more. God, would you give them more? Would you help them, Lord, whatever threshold they need to cross to move beyond that experience or those examples? I just pray you'd give my friends what they need. Give them what they need. You're our Father. You know what we need. I pray that you would honor them today through them acknowledging that. We need you to move in our hearts and in our lives today in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. I want to share with you one final thing. Uh, we can raise our heads and open our eyes. <laughs> this morning I was praying and the whole, I asked the Holy Spirit to speak to me before I come into our services because I expect, therefore I pursue. And you guys hear me say stuff here and there as much as I, I don't make it up, but whenever it comes, it comes. I woke up this morning and here's what I felt like was in my heart and this is how the Holy Spirit works. He put something in my heart, and this was the phrase. The phrase was testimonies. And the next phrase that came to my mind was, recall what God has done. And I'm, I'm to encourage you to recall what God has done, the testimonies of our lives, because the Lord wants to freshly move in some of those areas again in our lives. And maybe you came today and you're, there's almost like a wave of remembrance about something that has happened and God's going to bring it to our minds. And, and you know what happened? I, walk, I came into my office today, and I, I have a book of testimonies, and I have all these things, and I just opened it, and I want to read you a testimony from nine years ago. And I, I don't even know how this all happened, but this is awesome. Um, hello, this is a person. Uh, I am in Teen Challenge, and I attended your service last night. I was nearsighted with 2040 vision, astigmatism, and I've been wearing glasses all my life. This past week or so, I was feeling strain in my eyes that was unusual. The muscles were pulling and they've been growing weaker and weaker and it's been harder and harder to see. Last night, you called people forward to pray over eyesight. I went up and I was prayed for. I wanna give you some awesome news. This morning, I woke up and God told me to start reading my Bible and other things and I have not used my glasses all day. I can see everything, including small print without my glasses, without straining or squinting. And I want to praise God and I thank the Lord. He has totally restored my eyesight. I, no, no, hold on. I got a phone call from this same person a week later because I didn't get this for a week. I can remember this. And she said she went to the optometrist and he confirmed that she had 20-20 vision. 
glasses our whole life. Yeah, praise the Lord. And here, <laughs> I was so nervous the night that I shared that word though. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I wasn't like, yes, God's gonna heal eyesight up in the house today. Psalm 19, 19 Psalm 2020 says 2020 vision. You know, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I didn't do that. I was nervous. I heard in my heart, call people forward who have something wrong with their vision. I was like, ah, every, I got glasses on. <laughs> just is like, it's like walking up with a broken leg. Anybody have a broken limb, you know, and you're just sort of like, it's like heal or heal yourself, you know? I'm going to start with me today. Thank you, Lord. You know, do you know? And so I called all these people forward and I laid hands on them and my confidence, my faith was, was not, not where I wanted it to be. But I trusted that the word was more powerful than my battery level of faith or my feelings. Faith was exercised by me actually sharing it, not how I felt. So I stepped out and I remember I, we laid hands on all these people and I just thought, Lord, thank you, whatever you can do, Lord, whatever you can do, whatever you can do. <laughs> I was feeling that inside, but I prayed, I prayed what I could, and, and the Lord healed people. Amen. And there's ever, there was another testimony from the same night. I just read that this morning, and the Lord, the Lord spoke to me about our church, and he said, recall what God has done. I just want to pray over you today. God is reminding some of us in this room what he has done, and he's not just going to do it again, but he's going to move powerfully in our lives. Will you stand and pray with me over that this morning? Amen. Father, we thank you as a church and we recall your testimony in our life. We believe that we can hear your voice. We believe that you're leading us as a congregation. We are a healthy family and in a healthy family, we are meant to hear your voice. We are meant to discern what you are saying. We are meant to know you personally. And I just pray you would break off any shackles of lies and deception and falsehood and overnatural thinking where supernatural is not a possibility. We just break that off of our minds and we ask you to do the, the, the same things that you've done and even more in our lives for us and for our children, for the people in our lives, Lord. Let us be a walking testimony, a cardboard cutout to the world that Jesus is alive and that the Holy Spirit still does communicate to and through his people. We ask that, Lord, you would cause us to be a church that hears your voice, that knows you personally, and that reveals your will and your ways, that we are built upon your word. And if we are built upon your word, we wanna make sure that that is what we see happening in our church. We want the biblical reality to come to life. So we ask for an increase of that over each one of us in our homes, in our church, in our groups, everywhere that we go. Lord, we pray that you would speak, that you would move, and that we would yield to your voice, whatever it is that you say. We thank you for it today. We're mindful of what you're doing. We ask for more unashamedly in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.